This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Joyful, joyful. on Joy 94.9. This is the show where we talk about spirituality and sexuality for our community. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9 with Rachel, Claudine and Mark hanging out with you on the couch and tonight we've got a very casual couchy night going on. We've got some hot topics to talk about and of course... As per usual, we will be starting off with our holy day of the week. But coming up in the show, the hot topics, we want your opinion on everything that we're going to be talking about. So please get in, send us a text on 0427 JOY949, email on air at joy.org.au or just use your little button in the top left corner of the app. So I was given a challenge tonight to have a new and creative uh, holy day of the week. I believe that it was talked about on the CNC Drive Factory. So uh, I've, I'm pretending I have a little Casio keyboard and I'm playing a little jingle. It's like, do, 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 holy day of the week, do, 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 do. How was that, guys? Yeah. Love it? Should we get the keyboard for... Look, we're going to have Future. to buy yeah. a Casio keyboard. I do believe that it is in our show's best interest to have a Casio keyboard on hand on the lounge. I'll check the budget. Okay. We have a budget? Get on to it. We will have one. I didn't say what lines were in it. <laughs> so now, on the Spirit Lounge, we are only human. Uh, so when I was reading about the Bar High Christmas... I couldn't help but want to get on board with the celebratory food and presents and excuses to see family and friends. Uh, but what do I even mean by Bar High Christmas? Because, well, technically that's not a thing, right? So, Our Yummy Hya is a fun festival celebrated in the Bar High faith and generally falls between the months of February and March. Uh, but that always changes, and that's due to them going by the Bardi calendar rather than the Gregorian calendar. So, Ayamiya, translated to English, is intercalary days, which literally means days that are inserted into the calendar. And it's celebrated leading up to the following month, which is the month of fasting. So the length of the festival changes too, which is all based on the Bardi calendar, and falls during the days after the... I believe that I actually read two different things. So I think it's actually the days after the 18th month and before the 19th month because the 19th month is the month of fasting, but it could be after the 19th month. Uh, But regardless, it's before the month of fasting. So, of course, you're going to have fun celebrations during that time. That's pretty... Sorry. It's a pretty... I mean, it's like we were talking about... Mardi Gras meant it's sort of yeah we're, we're we're about to go fast so let's eat a lot of yummy stuff exactly 
but instead of it just being one day, they get four or five days of having party times excellent. Um, So how do they celebrate these joyous days leading up to fasting? So as I mentioned before, it's the chance to catch up with your family and friends, share delicious meals and exchange gifts, just like Christmas celebrations. Some families will go all out for Ayamiya and have elaborate celebrations, whereas other families will keep it simple and humble. That's not for me. I'm not a very simple and humble person. I, I like to be a little bit more extravagant, throw a big party, have everyone around, cook up a feast, maybe get some wine, some beer. I'm not sure if that, that goes uh, along with this festival, but you can make it your own. I, I read that you you can make this festival celebration as celebratory as you like. Uh, so it's also common practice to help the poor and people in need uh, throughout the duration of this celebration. And time is also spent in contemplation and meditation to prepare yourself for the month of fast. So if you were listening last week, we actually talked about... Uh, how leading up to Lent, uh, Michelle, our guest last week, had a meditation evening in her lounge room. So a very similar thing with this bar high celebration. So I read a how-to on throwing the best Ayamiya celebration, and it has these handy hints for you. So make decorations using lots of candles and flowers. Make biscuits in the shape of a nine-pointed star. Make paper mache and paint it bright colours. And it said that you can do any shapes you like for your paper mache. So you can blow up balloons or you can just shape it how you like. Uh, plan a unity feast. Uh, make presents instead of buying them, which is a great idea for any celebration that involves gift giving. Um, and offer one present each day for kids instead of a whole lot all at the same time. It suggests that you should donate blood during this time. So I think giving to others, that's a good idea. And uh, the final point, this is my favourite. It says, make a homemade water slide. I couldn't find the relevance, but I thought that was a great idea. So uh, you need need water, you need a pool to be able to... No, no, you can get like a a sheet of uh, plastic and just use your garden hose and put some... uh, a laundry detergent or washing up detergent on it makes it slippery. Use your garden hose, and if you've got a, a slight incline on your property or somewhere nearby, you can just make a water slide anywhere you want. It's quite right. easy to do. Well, that that works for our um, our climate. Yes, it does. So start getting creative and feel free to share your celebratory Ayamiya ideas with us on our Facebook page because we would love to see what you come up with for this joyous celebration. Over to you, Mark. Okay, so let's start talking a little bit about what's happening in the news, which is going to be the theme of our show tonight. We've got lots of things happening in the news related to spirituality and sexuality and religion and all sorts of people making all sorts of comments, crazy and otherwise, in the media. So it's uh, we'll have a bit of a talk about that. And as always, as, as uh, Rachel said, please share your thoughts with us. Um, via the various sources. But the first piece that we're going to talk about, and this is something that we're thinking maybe you might like to share your opinion on this, because it's a bit of a, a different one. So well-known author, atheist, and outspoken critic of all religion, Richard Dawkins, suffered a stroke earlier this month, which is really unfortunate for him. As a response to his ill health, the Church of England sent a tweet saying, Prayers for Prof. Daw- 
Dawkins and his family. And without time to blink, the Church of England was under fire for being insensitive to Dawkins' views and was accused of trolling. The Church was then forced to release a statement and have said that criticisms of the tweet stem from not knowing what prayer is. It's an interesting question, an interesting point. Well, what is prayer? Exactly. And were they trolling? Because I read that and I was just like, no, nah, people are giving them like a rough go. Like, they... They have every right as a church to say that they're praying for someone who's just had um, a spell of ill health. Uh, we do have news that he has been released from hospital as well, so he is doing okay. So maybe maybe the Church of England's prayers worked. Oh, uh, no, that's provocative. Oh, that is, isn't, isn't it? <laughs> so we want to know what you think. So was the Church of England trolling Dawkins or were they just being nice? So send us a text on 0427, join 949, or send an email to onair at joy.org.au. Let us know, do you think the Church of England was trolling Professor Dawkins, who was a, is a well-known atheist? It's an interesting point, because it would be, it's, in many ways, it's like saying to somebody, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Because in that way, you're saying, if you're saying it from a Christian perspective, you're saying it as a Christian, you're just sharing what's happening for you. So it's like saying Merry Christmas. It'd be like me saying to somebody, uh, Good Shabbos. It doesn't necessarily mean it's just coming from your own statement. But it's an interesting point, given that he has made quite a very strong and long stand about his beliefs. So, um, yeah, we'd be interested to see what other people think about this because we've probably all got mixed opinions in here. Definitely. So we've got some more hot topics for you coming up. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9. And we're just having a casual chat on the lounge today about some of the hot topics that have come out in the last couple of weeks. Um, The Australian Christian Lobby has been making statements again. Um, that's that's one way to put it. Um, there, I've got a well. There's a couple of couple of uh, um, things that have come out. The related to the issue of marriage equality, we've had um, Lyle Shelton, the head of the Australian Christian Lobby, saying he's. Um, First of all, the Australian Christian Lobby has said, let's override the anti-discrimination provisions so that we can have a discussion about marriage equality without getting in trouble with the law. And um, there's a bit to <laughs> say about that. Well, they're, they're citing um, an incident in Tasmania where a, the Catholic bishop was asked to justify a pamphlet that was promoted through Catholic schools that was considered... Uh, which was anti-marriage equality, and that's what they're sort of citing as one of the reasons why they need to have all jurisdictions, because it's a state jurisdiction, anti-discrimination, so all the states and territories would need to agree to it. Um, thanks, Mark. I, I hadn't seen sort of what, what set off that discussion. Um, but an- another thing that's come out of this issue is that Lyle Shelton has then said on radio um, one of the things, one of the ways that marriage equality could threaten his marriage is that people if you if we have marriage <laughs> equality we can't as, we can't assume that Lyle Shelton is straight i think that's the gist of it um as we can imagine there's been a lot of response to that he should be so lucky <laughs> <laughs> and one of the responses that's come to uh been made is by 
old friend of the Spirit Lounge, Matt Glover, former Baptist minister, now a counsellor, who posted a letter on Facebook saying, um, well, I won't read out the whole letter right now, Matt. We could, uh, we've got Matt on the phone, so he might talk about it himself. So, hello, Hi, Matt. Claudine. Hi, Claudine. Hi. Hi there. It's good to be back. It's good Welcome to have back. you, although temporary, but, yeah. but exciting. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> it is. It is. So, yes, I, I wrote an open letter to Lyle on my Facebook account and also to Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Uh, just in response to what he said, uh, it, it was an interview that was held on Foxtel. Uh, he was being interviewed by a reporter with himself and Jason McShane, who's the Senate candidate for the Equality Party, Australian Equality Party. And at one point during the interview, Jason, who is a gay man and is married to his partner, Adrian, and they've been married for, I don't know how many years, 10 plus years, uh, he's asked Lyle Shelton how his marriage negatively impacts Lyle's marriage and you know Lyle is is looking all confused and everything at this point in time and stumbles through a response that basically ends with him being concerned that people are going to think that he's gay because if we change the marriage definition you can't assume that a person's partner is the opposite gender and uh, you know I, I think most of us that saw this either live or then online later on were just Staggered, you know, left sort of looking at the screen with our jaws dropped down to the floor thinking, did he really just say that? Uh, and so my response was to simply write this letter that I posted online. And uh, just for the record, I'm a straight guy, cisgendered straight guy. And I get asked probably every week at some point whether I'm gay because of the work that I do as a counsellor uh, with the LGBTI community and, of course, with the work that I did as a minister before that. Uh, and there's an assumption that because I am so heavily involved and work so much towards easing the mental health statistics and the suicide rates, advocating for you know, marriage equality, advocating for groups like the Safe Schools Coalition, uh, doing professional de development training in sexuality and gender. There is just an assumption that, <clears throat> excuse me, because that's a passion of mine, that I must be gay. Yeah. So it's, it's no, no real surprise that people ask me that all the time. Uh, and even, you know, now after all of these years, probably 20 years now that I've been working in the area, uh, people still ask me that question. And so... My, my letter to, to Lyra was, was pointing out that, you know, this happens to me all the time. Uh, and it, it's not offensive at all. I don't take any offence to that whatsoever. If anything, it does allow me to, to do the work that I do. And really, when, when somebody does ask me if I'm gay or think that I'm gay, it only takes two or three seconds to gently correct the question or answer the question and then move on. You know, there's no harm done to me. There's no harm done to the person that has asked. Uh, it's, it just clarifies who we are and, and we continue in whatever capacity that, that we're meeting in. It's not a big deal. Uh, and so for, for Lyle Shelton, the managing director of a lobby group, to say that we shouldn't have marriage equality because somebody might think he's gay, I'm still staggered that somebody would say that. <laughs> You can't help but just laugh at it, though. Like, it seems so far-fetched, especially because he's not even working within the community. Just You just can't help but laugh at him, right? That's exactly right. And, you know, because of, of what I do, the majority of my friends are LGBTI. 
and many, many, many of them responded like you guys responded before with with tweets and posts, things along the lines of, you know, sweetie, you only wish, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. There, there was, it was just so so laughable, so ridiculous. Matt- it's it's one thing for for somebody to not support marriage equality or be against marriage equality, and that's okay. People yeah. are, are allowed to have their opinions about that. But to pin it on something like this, that people might think that I'm gay, is just ludicrous. Oh, yes. So, Matt, do you think that if this question hadn't been maybe popped on him without um, notice, that he may have had a different response if he had time to, you know, come up with a with a logical reason, that he might have said something different? Or do you genuinely think that he believes what he said? Oh, look, I think there is an element of him that believes that because of, of where he comes from and that worldview. You know, there there is nothing right about being gay. You know, it's it's something that's uh, that's a deviation of how God created us and all that sort of stuff. And so there's nothing affirming in him for the LGBTI community. However, having said that, if he had time to prepare for that question, I think he would have said something different. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not a complete idiot and you know he he would have had the opportunity to realize that this is going to sound really bad and he would have said something else uh i've I've shared the stage with lyle before and also with uh, dan flynn who's the victorian head of the acl and it is really frustrating trying to engage in public dialogue with them because they have a very narrow script that they stick to so yeah. if you ask a question in the same way that Jason did, you will not get an answer. They will dodge around the question, just like many of our politicians do, uh, and then continue along their script. So you might have noted in that that, that Lyle's, Lyle still didn't really answer Jason's question. Yeah, exactly. uh, He just sort of bumbled along with, with something else that was to do with marriage equality. It was nothing about how Jason's marriage would impact Lyle's marriage. Yeah. Um Oh, I had a question and I just was agreeing with what you were saying and now it's it's completely gone from my mind. <laughs> but, uh, I'm having a lull moment. To, to me, it, it starts to... It, it's a bit of a... I think it's a bit of a red flag from my perspective and I don't know what you think, Matt. In terms of the desperation that's starting to come out in this campaign, there's, a, there's starts of signs of people getting really desperate to try and make a point rather than being able to go back to a very factual this is why we're arguing against this and these are our arguments and we believe in them it's it's a little it sounds like they're starting to get desperate oh absolutely i I totally agree with that if you track the history of their arguments to begin with it was all about the traditional definition of marriage between a man and woman when it was made abundantly clear that even the biblical the new testament biblical view of marriage is vastly different to what we practice today so for instance using um Jesus' parents, Joseph and Mary. Mary was betrothed by Mary's father to Joseph. This was a property transfer. So Mary's dad is saying, she is my property and Joseph, I'm going to give her to you and she'll be your property. We don't do that. You know, that, that's not how we practice marriage. And so when more awareness was raised around the community about you know, marriage and how vastly different or how many different variations there were of traditional marriage and biblical marriage, the argument moved from that to then the well-being of children. 
and you know you'll hear lots and lots and lots of, of arguments about you know we need to protect the rights of the children uh, and and this panders to people's fears because we all want to protect our children i want to protect mine i want want the best for them uh, and so if somehow we can tap into that fear of protective parents then that is is going to to help our cause of course what's happening now is there's more and more realization that marriage is not about children whatsoever Family is about children, but marriage is about intimacy between two people. Uh, and out of that intimacy, some couples choose to then produce another life, a child. Um, but if at any point that child becomes more important than the marriage, the marriage starts to suffer. So, so yeah, children should never be the most important thing in a marriage. Marriage should never be about children. Family should be about the children, but marriage should be between the should be about the relationship between those two people. Yeah, uh, and so we're moving on from that now to to actually trying to change laws and relax laws and things like that, so we can actually just be plain and outright nasty. Uh, you know, the relaxing the anti discrimination laws and things like that. You can almost see that behind the battle lines, there's there's a whole bunch of cannons loaded, ready to fire, but we just need to work out a way that we're not going to get caught and get in trouble and be taken to court for firing those things off. You're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, and we have been listening to... uh Katusha by Shimon, who is an Australian artist from Newcastle that I actually went to school with. So that's a fun fact. We have been having chats to Matt Glover about the Australian Christian lobby and all of the hot topics that is going on with them right now. So thanks again for giving us your time, Matt. My pleasure. All right. So we were having... yeah. We were, just, we were just talking about how, um, before we went to the break, you were talking about how uh, the um, Australian Christian lobby's line on gay marriage or marriage equality has sort of changed over the time from starting off very the, about the traditional definition of marriage and then going into the next sort of sphere, which if you've done anything about advocacy, it's, you know, what about the children? Please think of the children. And now it seems to have shifted tack to basically preparing for some out-and-out dirty and nastiness, really. Yeah, yeah just it seems to just be really nasty now. Just ridicule, uh, you know, making fun of the, the whole idea of, of gay relationships and things like that. Yeah, the, the word that you used before the break was desperation. I think that's exactly right. It's almost a, a last gasp. You know, we, we haven't been able to... To, to win arguments through traditional definitions of marriage, through appealing to people's fears about the safety of children. Now we're just going to make fun of them and, and, and try and ridicule them and things like that. At the end of the day, though, what is happening is it's just making themselves look more and more ridiculous. And uh, you know, what, what I'm hearing is even people within churches that might not be supportive of something like marriage equality, for instance, well, hear the words of the Australian Christian lobby and say, we want nothing to do with that. Well, uh, you know, that's, that sort of approach just doesn't, doesn't ring true with people of faith. There's been, I mean, there's been a group, group um, letter that's come out from Anglican, Baptist, Uniting and various other churches that have said that, that, um, that, that have been arguing against a plebiscite and saying that you know, they, we've got diverse opinions, but we know that this is going to going to be harmful for for the LGBTI mm. community. I mean, I mean, that's coming from a broad range of Christians. 
That is, yeah. Look, I, I was one of the, the signatories on, on that letter. Oh, I should have known you would be. Yeah. <laughs> He's everywhere, isn't he? <laughs> there, there were the colleagues from all the, the Christian denominations, the Catholic Church, uh, and you can step beyond that and speak, you know, to the, the Jewish faith and the Muslim faith and, and within those faith traditions as well, the people that uh, are becoming more and more affirming. Last year in August, I travelled to Shepparton to do some diversity training uh, as part of my private practice that, that I do, and the, the church counselling practice that sponsored me to be there, uh, they, the, the pastor there quite openly said, look, we as, as a church do not support marriage equality and we would have a different viewpoint to you, Matt, on, on the, the affirming the, the LGBTI community. However, we will not stand for the bullying tactics of groups mm. like the ACL. Uh, so I'm hearing more and more of this sort of thing, which, uh, you know, is it, it's, going to weaken the ACL's position. Having said that, their position is nowhere near as strong as I think they think it is. Yeah. Uh, in the work that I do now, it, it's a lot of it is outside of the church. And I met with somebody the other day who has quite a high position in, a, in the health industry. And I just mentioned in passing that, oh, the ACL has said this and I'll need to do a response. And her response was, who? <laughs> she, she'd not heard of the ACL. So, uh, and so I, I think it's almost those of us that are within the circle that are just sort of listening for the next ridiculous thing that they say. You know, we, we hear that and think that their, their voice is broadcast much further than it actually is. Is the Australian Christian lobby actually linked with any particular denomination or have they just made their own party um, just of, of a group of people who are, all have the same small-minded ideas? I don't mean to say that out loud, but it, it <laughs> <Yeah>. came out. <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm not totally up with the history of the group, but my understanding is that it's not affiliated with any one Christian denomination. It's in what's called an ecumenical movement. So people oh, of all uh, I would, I would contest that um, because, I'm, um, I mean, not to sort of cut you off there, but um, when all this, when, you, when this group letter came out, I said, oh, this sounds so familiar because I was... Um, Four years ago, I was on the executive of the Victorian Council of Churches, which is a very representative ecumenical body of Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox churches. And we had to put out a press release saying the Australian Christian lobby doesn't speak for all Christians. So this is not new. People in um, Christians have been yeah. have been complaining about the Australian Christian lobby yeah, for a while. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In terms of their, their origins, though, I don't think it was born out of a particular church yeah. or an individual denomination. I, I think it was a collective uh, mm. of different people from different denominations that, that got together and, and got it off the ground. But it's a, it's uh, a however, narrow collective, though. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When I say ecumenical, it's not representative of all of the denominations that yeah. are involved in it, but it's not made up of people from one single denomination. Well, look, I hope we find a trump card soon that just gets them out of our way and <laughs> so they can just back off and let us, us do what we need to do in the yeah. nicest way possible. Absolutely. Look, I, I think the trump card is already there. Yeah. It's the lives and the stories of LGBTI people, both of faith and not of faith, and living their lives openly in public, enjoying their relationships, enjoying their families, doing their jobs, studying their courses, doing all the things that everybody else does, uh, and just doing it 
uh, you know, next to their neighbours and their families and their friends and things like that. That's the best response. Yeah, so it's been an absolute pleasure having you on tonight, Matt. Thanks again for joining us on the Spirit Lounge and having a chat about some important hot topics going on and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks. So we have a bit of a controversial thing coming up for you after uh, this little break. So we've got the Tim Minchin song, Come Home Cardinal Pell, and we want to hear all of your opinions on it. So don't go away. Well, we promised you controversy, and there we delivered it with uh, Tim Minchkin's very late song, latest song come out called Come Home, Cardinal Pal. And you're on the Spirit Lounge on Joy 94.9, and we're very interested in hearing what people's opinions on this show, uh, song is. So please do text in on Joy uh, to on 0427-JOY949 or email us on onair at joy.org.au. But I was just I was saying to Claudine and Rachel when we were talking about this song that to me there's a bit of a parallel in this song towards what the ACL's done. And it's, I'm going to be a little bit controversial myself here. Ooh. But I just... It's not that I don't agree with what Tim's trying to do. And, and certainly I've read an article about how this mirrors classical protest music and picks up all sorts of things. We can talk about that a little bit later on. But I was wondering about the name calling of Cardinal Pell. Um, you know, it's it sort of, there seems to be a little bit of a link and I'm not saying it's gone as far or, or we'll even go there. But in terms of we're just talking about the Australian Christian lobby who's sort of getting towards name calling and it's a little bit, you know, playground sort of stuff. I've lost the argument, so I'm going to call you nasty well, he's, names. He's he's um saying that you know there's a place in hell for. I mean, it's a great rhyme, of course, but that's also <laughs> the sort of thing that that um, people say about LGBT people all the time. So I, you know, there are parallels. My opinion on on this is that the song served the purpose that Tim Minchin had in mind. So the purpose of the song is to raise money. If So if you don't know the story, there's a group from Ballarat who uh, need Cardinal Pell to testify at a hearing and at the moment he's in Rome and he's too unwell to come back to Australia to do so. So a, a campaign has been started to get this group of people to Rome to have this hearing so that he doesn't have to come home and do it. Uh, And uh, all the money that has been raised from the sales of this song are going towards that campaign. They're currently sitting around $183,000, which is over their intended mark, which is great. Um, Tim Minchin, he does write controversial music. I think uh, they knew that um, before... (laughs) Before this song came out, it was known he writes controversial music and he's gotten the attention. He's obviously, he's gotten all of our attention and he got the attention of some people standing outside who um, were waving their hands and clapping because it is a very catchy song. No he's doubt. done well. It, and, that, and that's classic protest music. It's very catchy. Yeah. It's easy to hum along to. It's got all those sort of hallmarks. And, and as you say, Rachel, it has really hit the mark in terms of um, this uh, crowdfunding campaign by uh, victims of uh, sex abuse by the clergy in Ballarat wanting to travel to hear Cardinal's Pell testimony from Rome. So they're hoping it's uh, it's a little bit complicated from what I can gather, but their aim is to go and hear Cardinal Pell give his testimony in Rome. Cardinal Pell has been given um, leave of the Royal Commission to give 
um, his evidence from Rome due to his ill health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the 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 group, which is led by um, one of the Ridsdales, who was abused certainly by his uncle, who's a notorious um, uh, priest who was a pedophile or is a pedophile. Um, so their aim is to get in the room whilst George gives his evidence to the commission via video link. So this is the third time that Cardinal Pell's been called before the Royal Commission to give responses uh, in relation to... It's actually not in relation to the abuse as such in Ballarat, but actually the church's response to the abuse, which is something that Cardinal Pell set up when he became Archbishop of the Diocese of Melbourne. Yes. It's kind of a little bit complicated in there in the details. But as you say, the song for all... for some concerns I have about its limitations about name calling has certainly got its message out there and it's got and it's probably a little bit about getting that controversy out it it generates a lot of media you've got you read the the Murdoch Press in Melbourne today had a full page editorial in defence of Cardinal Powell it's certainly got it's got people talking and it's got it out there and we can draw lots of parallels to other things where you know a media campaign goes well or it does the exact opposite. This one has probably achieved its aims, I'd argue. Yeah, it, and definitely. I There's so much I want to say and I just I don't know how to put it into words. So I actually got quite confused when I first heard this song. I didn't know the background around what happened in Ballarat and I had to ask the question, wait, so did Cardinal Pell actually like do the the deeds? No, or, no, 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 no of that. exactly. And so I I got quite confused with that because the song is somewhat attacking towards Cardinal Pell. Um, so yeah, it it took you know a little bit of of research and asking some very ha- handy uh, spirit loungers um, what the actual story behind it is because if you just listen to the song it's got a catchy tune and it makes it sound like he's done something wrong so i i needed the clarity around that so i understand that the attacking yeah is maybe not appropriate and cardinal pell has has made some unwise decisions perhaps in hindsight uh cardinal pell certainly was in the presbytery with uh, Gerald Ridsdale, where children were abused in Ballarat. So, so that's, meaning living in the same building. He lived building. in the same building. It's quite a large... It's a, a presbytery. It's just a house. Yeah. Um, it's, a it's, very large house. It's a large house. It's not huge, but it is large. Um, and there's certainly been some allegations about um, whether or not he would have known. He certainly has refuted that with uh, one of the stronger allegations was refuted because he was actually overseas at the time. So that's sort of part of it. But the other thing that we that George did that in hindsight is one of those things where you think really, what were you thinking at the time? When Jared Ridsdale was first brought before the courts, before he was convicted, he was accompanied to court by George. Now George says it was he was asked by, um, I believe George may have only been a priest at the time. He certainly wasn't the Archbishop. Yeah. I'm not sure how high up he was in terms of the Ballarat Diocese, but he was asked by the then Bishop of Ballarat, Bishop Mulkerns, who's also being very controversial in how he's giving um, uh, information to the Royal Commission, but he was uh, George was asked to accompany Jared Ridsdale. And there's a very good and f- rather infamous photo of George next to Jared Ridsdale before he was convicted. And as you as you were saying, Mark, there's um, it's not this issue isn't simply about per, um, the direct instances of abuse, but it's it's also about how the how the church how the institution responds to that, and that's I, I think that's part of why. I mean, um, Cardinal Pell, he's the he's the Australian cardinal. He is the highest um, ranking Catholic 
clergy person in in Australia. Oh, he's. Uh, I think without having, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I'm pretty confident that he's the highest Australian Catholic. He's the high. Is the here? Let me clarify this. <laughs> His role in the Catholic Church is the highest an Australian born person has ever held. So he is effectively third under the Pope. He's head of oh, the wow. Vatican Bank. So he's a very powerful, very important man in the Vatican. So he's the money man. He's the treasurer, if you like, of the Vatican. Mm. So he's right up there in terms of being very senior. So you can understand why he's in, he's in the spotlight in terms of um, being highlighted by this. But as you do say, Claudine, the Royal Commission is actually into the responses of institutions into child sexual abuse rather than focusing very much on the specific individual cases. However, that said, they have um, heard uh, lots of testimony from victims and, um, and and certainly victims are being encouraged to come forward and give their, their testimony. We should also say, whilst we're talking about victims, there are, if, if you are feeling um, affected by what's going on in the media. There is a, a specialist support line that you can call. They offer 24-hour, seven-day-a-week telephone counselling. And their number is 1-800-RESPECT. So that's 1-800-737732. Or alternatively, you can call Lifeline, which is one three one 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 four. So just if you're feeling any effects of just listening to this sort of thing, and it brings up some emotions for you, do certainly talk to somebody. But it's it's it's... Certainly an interesting topic. Definitely. And just to go back to our earlier discussion from tonight, we've got a message from Nathan. Um, Research regarding the ACL, research from University of New South Wales, has said the ACL has minimal effect on voters at the ballot box. However, it has a significant impact on the voting patterns of MPs when passing or blocking legislation. The ACL is a PR machine. And it's important to let our elected representatives know that the ACL does not represent the large number of Christians it claims to represent. Um, That is, that's, thanks, Nathan, that is um, backing up the the experiences of myself and of Matt and many of the Christians I know who've been at least coming out on Facebook and social media and saying this is, this is not representative. And so I think it's, it's also important not just to make the social media, um, the sort of, online communications but to also whether you're a member of a church or just um a christian yourself and to to write to your mp and say this is what i think i'm a christian this is what i think and it's the acl isn't doesn't represent the majority of Christians. And certainly as a lobby group, they're therefore very successful, right? They're doing their job unfortunately, as a lobby perhaps group. Unfortunately, from our side of the fence, but unfortunately they, they are quite successful as a lobby group in terms of being able to give an impression that they are representing a large number of people. It's um, And it's something that probably the Christian community is not so used to. If Some of us who are used, have come from more smaller religious groups are used to certain religious groups getting up and saying, we represent, certainly in the Jewish community, there is one particular group that loves to get up and say, we represent the Jewish community. That's actually not accurate. So, as Claudine says, if you are a Christian, do write and let your local member know. You're on the Spirit Lounge where we've been having... Um some robust discussion about some of the hot topics around spirituality, religion, and the LGBTI community this week. Um, so we might have to cool down a little bit after that before we hand over to the bears in the woods. 
got that right. The bears, the bears and the bear curious. The bears and the bear curious. Yes, out in the, the woods. So until next week, it's good night from myself, Claudine. From Mark. And good night from Rachel. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.